HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cooking Issues is brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, an employee-owned company that has been offering organic stone ground products for decades. With Bob's Red Mill, you're not just getting quality, you're getting flavor-packed healthy food that tastes great. Visit bobsredmill.com to learn more and use the code COOKINGISSUES, that's one word, all caps, COOKING ISSUES, for 25% off your order. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45 in Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Joined as usual with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing, Stas? What? Good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Got Dave in the booth? Good. Good? <laughs> we got longtime friend as our guest. You're going to want to call in all of your... Uh, Amore Margo or Amori, um, what do you call it? Amari. Don't insult the man. <laughs> all of your drink related, all of your Alton Brown related, all of your, I don't know, any kind of like, if you were like very long stirring spoons, you're going to want to call in your long stirring spoon questions to Southern Teague, who's with us in the, uh, in the station. Hey, buddy. Happy to see you. Yeah, good to see you. And uh, if you also have a show on the Heritage Radio Network, you want to tell the people about that? Absolutely. We are uh, the Speakeasy. Damon Bolte and I air every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Uh, and of course, podcasts on all platforms are right after that. Yeah. So those of you uh, who've you know listened to the show for a long time know that Damon Bolte is a twin. He's one of the creepy. He, yeah. He's one of the culinary slash bar twins. One of the many New York I, identical twins. By identical. The way. Yeah. Yeah. Not not one of these like you know fraternal twins. Oh, there are differences. <laughs> oh yeah. So what are the differences between the Boltys? I actually don't know. There I just you, assume. There you Listen, go. The new. I, so I heard. The, you know. The new facial recognition iPhone. Yeah. Damon can open his brother's phone. Oh, that, awesome! So that's oh, like that's a, that's, a, that's a recipe for fu right there. Oh yeah, man. Are Hack. identical twins' fingerprints the same as well? Or are they different? I have no idea. I just know it's creepy. It is. It is some. It is some creepy. It is some creepy business. You see this thing about space the other day, where they had an identical twin. One had spent a long time in space, and they came back, and they're like, "Interesting news. Your genes change when you've been up in space for a long time." The guy who's in space had a smile on his face. Was like, "Uh, buddy, wipe that smile off your face." You know what that means? You just got. You just got mutated, buddy. Right. Because you know it's like so much radiation up there in yeah, yeah. space. Yeah. Yeah, I did read that actually. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So uh, according to the internet, identical twins do not have the same fingerprints. Man, the internet's fast on this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Dave, Dave can type fast. Yeah, yeah. Dave two, in the booth. Two hands. Dave, this Dave, <laughs> the, like Dave here in this side of the, uh, of the microphone, has uh, like marshmallow thumbs. And so I cannot oh, yeah. type quickly on a phone. Dave, it, I just wrote my entire book on an iPhone. You're a liar. It's I'm true. 100%. 
I'm crediting the iPhone in my book. As, it, as in to say, written on iPhone 7. Is it one long That's run-on good. The iPhone, sentence? The iPhone really needs some recognition. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm trying to help them out. Yeah. So I was thinking of getting a, an iPad, actually, to write that, cause, so I can carry it around with me, because I, I was like, oh, you know, you can use that stylus, but it's not a mouse. I'm sorry. It's like someone my age wants a mouse. We just want a mouse. Is that what you want? I want a mouse. What do you mean your age? I'm older than you. So don't you want a Wasn't mouse? Wasn't your birthday last you're week? You're a tech guy. People do people know? I'm not a tech guy. I I I own I own multiple I mean, businesses. I hang out with people who I are own, tech I own, people. I own multiple businesses. I've got a radio show. I just wrote a book and I this is my only computing device, my phone. This is it. You're saying you wrote that because you don't own a word processor? Correct. Your yeah. other word processor is a brother word a brother pro- P-touch printer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that. This checks out. He never answers my emails. Yeah, yeah who does though, Dave? Out. Oh! So anyway, call in your Souther and or other cooking-related questions to 718-497-2128. Hey, Booker wants me to say hold that up, hold no up. longer. 718-497-2128. And also, Nastasia, Nastasia Lopez led everyone to believe that Jim Leahy, not that you're a consolation guest, Souther, no. but that Jim Leahy, the bread guy, was going to be on this week. In fact, Street Bakery. In fact, Nastasia, that is? Incorrect. Yeah, but it is? What? Next week. Next week. There we go. All right, so what are you going to say? It's too bad. I was ready for some deep master baking today. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say that Booker wants me to say that it's no longer take your child to work life because he has a job. Yeah, he's actually, this is the first time he's working at oh, Costa yeah, Flyer break, right? without me there. Without without Nastasia there. So, safe Since to say. Is there child labor laws in, in place here? He's 16, man. He's you, 16? Yeah, man. Kids grow up fast. I started when I was 14 working. Yeah, but, you know, that was when we were... It was a different time, Dave. Yeah. That hasn't changed. You can still work when you're 14. Can you? Yeah. In, in Pennsylvania, anyway. I don't know about here. <laughs> Pennsylvania. He's like, in Western <laughs> Pennsylvania. Real forward thinking over there. In Western Pennsylvania, you can, but only if you're working underground in the mines. <laughs> All right, so uh, so what do you got for us? What's going on, Southern? I, I was just swinging by to say no, hello. Now you're I got now nothing. Now I'm on the spot. You got nothing? Well, I mean, I, I don't have nothing. What do, you, what do you have going on? What's going on in the bar world? Um... I just pulled the wool over a shitload of people's eyes in, on my uh, Instagram. I April fooled the hell out of them. What do you do? I just posted a picture of a bunch of fresh bottles of juice and a shaker, and I said, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're changing some programs. I never said the words juice. I never said the words uh, shaker, but I, I, in my caption, I just said, program's changing over here. We're really excited to come see us, blah, 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 and just an absolute crap ton of responses. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, like, Souther... Did you open that? Did that? Did you open yeah, that? Yeah, seven years ago, uh, March twenty first. We just turned seven years old at Amoria Margo. Right, and the the, the shtick for those of you who don't, you need to go, but it's it's a it's it's small, so it fills up quickly. Absolutely, right? yeah, yeah. But uh, tell them tell them the basis of the program. So at Amoria Margo, which means love and bitters uh, in Italian, um, or sorry, rather rather in Spanish, which is goofy because most of the stuff on my bar is Italian. Um, we only serve uh, stirred bitter cocktails using lots of Amaro and tincture bitters. I have, probably have the largest selection anywhere in the world of tincture and potable bitters in a tiny bar that's 240 square feet. And we, for seven years, have only stirred cocktails. Um, Not only have you only stirred cocktails, but no juice. No, ju- Yeah, exactly. That's, well, that, that's part of the program, right? So yeah. uh, we use uh, uh, only cane syrup, and we only use that in old fashions. Other than that, we have no sugar. We don't use any syrups or juices. We don't use uh, anything non-alcoholic, really. The only non-alcoholic ingredient on the entire bar is water and that aforementioned syrup. Yeah. So it's all spiritus, spirit-forward drinks. So I posted this photo of a bunch of juice on the bar, and people just went apeshit. Well, I think <laughs> like people are like, you know, why would you go against your shtick after yeah, exactly. all these, you know? Exactly. 
there's plenty of there's plenty of places I could go if I want juice. So yeah, if I want a bee's knees or whatever, I can go plenty somewhere. Plenty of else. juice in the sea. Wow. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't go there, man. I wouldn't go there. So the uh, so uh, it's still Passover. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's like an eight day thing. Mm. Isn't head, that Hanukkah? Head, that's eleven. <laughs> Listen, you're gonna have a holiday. May as well make it holidays. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, do you hate it? Like when when people want to say, are you a guy who goes all out and says Amari, like pluralizes? Isn't Amari is the plural? Or do it you dep- say Amaros? Are you pissed off either way? Or I'm not? not pissed either way, but it depends on the usage. You know, on the menu since day one, we've had a cocktail that involves eight different Amari, right. and that cocktail is called on the menu the eight Amaro Sazerac. And people call me out and they say, "Shouldn't it be the eight Amari Sazerac?" And I say, "Well, I didn't eat three beans salad today, right?" Three bean salad though is a three thing. bean salad, but you don't say three beans salad unless you're Cesare Casella, and he says always beans, no matter how many beans are involved. It's beans, <laughs> one, one bean, beans. Hey, what do you get? Beans, beans, right? <laughs> yep. The man cannot say the word bean without adding an That's s to true. it. But a very, very Cesare beans. beans. By the way, I hope are we gonna are, are we? You think we're gonna be able to carry? Uh, well, you're not you're not working on it, so you don't know. But I want to carry Cesare's ham at the bar. Yeah, you should. I told him you were going to. What do you say? He said, "Don't okay. care." <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Beans, <laughs> like, uh, like. Anyway, I give no beans. Anyway, so like, uh, here's the thing. So the with the Amaro, I'm gonna ask you some questions. Yeah. Why did they ruin Zuka? For, for those of you who don't know, Zuka is a like one of these uh, class called a rhubarbaro, which is like a nice uh, bitter. Supposedly, it's rhubarb. It doesn't taste like rhubarb like you think of rhubarb. It no, it's Chinese rhubarb, and how how rhubarbaros are made is um, it's. It's Chinese rhubarb, which is a special, you know, a select type of rhubarb. And they typically use it in a maceration, and they typically use it when it's dried. When Chinese rhubarb is dried, it smells and tastes smoky, like it's been smoked, though it has not. Um, so you get this real smoky, earthy Amaro, after, you know, when you make a rhubarb. But so Zuka in particular is what you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, so what the happens? best known one of these here in the U.S. is Zuka. Mm-hmm. And for years, we loved it. Then they changed the damn recipe. What's up with that? So, yeah, this is happening a lot with um, Amari in general. Um, There, see, I used the plural. Um, Everybody is getting on board with the notion of cocktails, which, of course, we created here in the United States. Um, You know, uh, the rest of the world still really doesn't make cocktails. They sort of look at us funny when we talk about mixing things. But don't, don't tell the English that. Yeah, so the deal is, yeah, so the deal is... Or the Germans at this point. Lots of, lots of Amari are stepping forward and saying, oh, if, if people are going to use our stuff in cocktails, they need to be stronger, because most Amari hover around like 23%, you know, pretty low proof, uh, which has no, not enough of a backbone, even though they've got big flavors, to stand up in, in cocktails. So my, I, I haven't talked to anybody at Zuka, but, you know, they changed their recipe, and they, they basically doubled the proof. So it's a lot higher in proof, so a lot hotter, um, which changes how you drink it. Um, but I think they're they're aiming to be including cocktails. It also cocktails the flavor. More. It just doesn't taste as good. Yeah, it anymore. changes the flavor. Of course, it just doesn't taste good anymore. I like a lot of the new high proof ones. Like I, I like the uh, even though they had a horrible post. Uh, the um, uh, what is it? The uh, uh, what is it? It's out of my head. Luca. The, uh, Lucano. Yeah, Lucano. They they had a horrible Instagram post. Like a couple, like horrible, like for International Women's Day, it was some, oh, no. like so bad that we're all like, oh, I don't know if I can use Lucano anymore. Oh, but I yeah, didn't even see this. Yeah, it's, look it's, it up. it's terrible. You see that one, Stas? No. Anyway, but then uh, I was just, we're just like, they're like, I don't know. It was, it was some horrible, like you know, like one of those like 
man ray things or something of a woman as a musical instrument saying we love women they're amazing lucano or something like yeah, this like yeah. something Very just yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah something just like you know off the wall not cool but uh, they make a high proof one that I think is actually works really well. They do. Uh, Chinar makes one as well. Uh, they came out with one that's uh, 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 seventy proof. Chinar yeah, yeah, seventy. Bartenders like that. You like but that one? You like the original one? I like them both because I can use them differently. But the thing is, what we just said, both, right? So Zuka decided to change theirs and not offer the other one as well. Lucano still offers the one that they've always offered. Chinar offers the one they've always offered. I think that was their Zuka's bigger mistake. Is so, so Jack Schramm, our once and future head bartender. Yeah. It, like he has, uh, he has some sort of like Zuka sense. So like, if he walks into any bar, like he won't even look at the back bar, and he'll sit at a table, and then he'll say they have a bottle of old Zuka on their back bar. <laughs> it's, it's right there. And then like, and then like he like he has like an eye for old Zuka. He once walked into a liquor store with me. We were looking for something else, and he was like, they have the old Zuka. I'm buying it all. And he just bought it, he buys it all for his personal consumption. I wonder if we could, you know, we have some sway. We could reach out to them and see if they'll, you know, relaunch the old formula. Yeah, do they have like... You know, like people backpedal. Remember New Coke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Pepsi Clear? Come on. Did you ever go to the, have you ever been to the, uh, that um, uh, Amaro like trade show festival they have in Milan? Yeah, I got to go to that, um, I don't know, maybe three years ago. Um, Fascinating because it's not just Amaro; it's also like this giant food festival. So, as a former chef, like that, that rang my bells as well. The yeah, problem is, it's freaking useless because you're like, "Hey, it's going to the states," and they're like, "No, uh, no, yeah, no, no, uh, no." We're doing this for us. Uh, and it was also like goddamn Disney World. It's it's a massive, massive uh, fairgrounds that they hold this thing on. It's incredible. Yeah, we've talked about this on the air before, Stas, but Italians are so funny because they'll drink like as much of that as they want. And then wine with their meal, but they're like, "Hey, Jim, we don't want to drink. No drink. <laughs> yeah. What are you alcoholic? Like, if you want to have a cocktail before dinner, they're like, think you're not. But they're, meanwhile, they're pounding. Oh, yeah. these digestives and wine throughout the whole thing, but they don't consider that drinking. Oh yeah, exactly. It's very cultural. It's very. Um, this is just how it's done. We're not. And I think I, lo- I love that. You know, uh, here in America, we say, "Oh, we, we get out of work and it's happy hour where we're going to go somewhere where the drinks are half price and, and double the strength, and we're going to get pretty wasted real quick." And then go home and eat like a blue box of macaroni and cheese and pass out and, and wake up the next day and do it again. Whereas these guys, wow, that's what that's that's your impression of us <laughs> of the as American a drinkers, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow, uh, you know, not the folks who come to, to when you go my to a Mar Margo and you see Souther behind the bar. <laughs> this is what he thinks about you. This is what he thinks about you. No, see, I'm serving Just the Italian mac stuff. and cheese at the bar. Yeah. You know, but but in Italy, uh, uh, you know, you have the aperitif hour, which is not an hour. It's it's the ap- aperitif afternoon. You you go to lunch and you have an uh, a, you know a, a Campari and soda, or a, uh, maybe you go so far as to have like a spalliato, and then uh, and Anastasia, then you and like then you, those. You kind of yeah. don't stop drinking these low ABV cocktails until it's dinner time. Hey, hey, hey. oh, oh, hey. <laughs> What's that? I think that's Peter uh, trying to speak Italian. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. What is that, Dave? I don't know. Something on the internet. Something on the internet. <laughs> something yeah. on the internet. Something on the internet. Oh. That's like Nastasi. Remember when we were at the airport? <laughs> yeah. We had yeah. just gone back from England, right? Oh, yeah. Wait, wait. wait. That's a separate story. That's not, it's not related <laughs> to what we're talking about now. So we can't, we can't bring it up. Uh, well, we got to call her when you wrap that one up. Oh, jeez. All right. Know, call her, call her, call her. You're on the I air. I hope it's what's her name. Hey, hello. Hey. hey. Is this Dave? Yes. Hi. Um, so, uh, yeah, first-time caller, long-time listener. I think I started listening to your show in 
like 2012. Ouch. Um, so, <laughs> for punishment. I've been going through the archives uh, slowly, but surely. Um, I uh, was listening to your show from last week yesterday, and I actually, um, <laughs> um, so your first caller, um, talking about wild cheeses, ashwagandha, ayahuasca, right? Oh, are you the person who texted me, uh, not texted me, tweeted me and said that the, she was confusing two things? Because if not, good, either way, good, explain the difference because I didn't have a chance to go look it up. Okay, so um, I'm also glad you guys have a bitters expert on um, because ashwagandha is definitely a part of bitters that I've made. I grew up in an apothecary. My mom's been making bitters since I was like six years old. So um, herbal medicine is like a big part of my cooking career. I, I've been cooking since I was like 14. Um, so ashwagandha is a supplement. It is used to make a wild cheese. Um, sort of like, have you ever heard of like Yard, that nettle cheese from Cornwall? Yeah. So it's, it's the same, same sort of process. Uh, they use the berries of this stuff. It's called, uh, Indian ginseng in India. It's used all over India. It uses a tea. It's a long life, like an elixir, um, supplement. People in the U.S. have been getting really into it because it's like really good at lowering, lowering cortisol and stress. It's actually probably exactly what your caller needs to be taking. It has nothing to do with ayahuasca. They're not the same thing at all. Right, not a hallucinogen. Right, I know. I, I, I wrote the wrong thing on the... No, but that's what up. she said. That's what she said yeah. on the air. That's well, what she they're... said it was like that, but she did say... No, but it's, uh, not, a, it's not a hallucinogen. Oh, she, it's not a hallucinogen. This stuff is not going to send you on a terrible trip. Right, right. We got a lot of calls and emails about that, so I apologize to the ayahuasca lobby out there. Sorry. <laughs> like there is one. Yeah. All right, so go ahead, caller. It's probably somewhere in uh, Silicon Valley. Is this stuff taste good? My main thing is, does this stuff taste good? Um, well, I mean, as a, as a, as a component in a bitters, um, you know, all, all bitters are originally a medicine, right? That's, that's why they're created. It's, it's a way to, to take the medicinal plants around us and preserve them. Um, and then that is, will, you know, slowly turn into the art form that is, it, it is now, today. So what um, I'm hearing from you is, no, it does not taste good. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it tastes great. It, it tastes like a bitters. You know, um, well, okay. Let me so, give you, let me give you an example. Like I like, I mean, I I like, like gentian. I like that stuff in the proper amount, like with other flavors. I, I like the flavor. It, but whereas, like, uh, what's something that I find unpleasant? What's a bitter flavor that I find unpleasant in any quantity? I don't know. I guess bitter flavors. I don't find them unpleasant. I can't, I'm trying to think of a. Can you can either of you guys think of a bitter flavor that's just inherently unpleasant? Like I don't like okay, I don't like no offense to Philip Duff, because I know he's worked with them, but ferroquinas, the taste of iron in a drink is very challenging to but me. The, but the iron It's not bitter though, but that's, that's not the bittering agent. It's not yeah, bitter. That's iron citrate, so Right, it's not bitter. But that's the thing, I don't know of any bitter notes that are actually just bitter that I detest. You know no, what I'm saying? I, I certainly don't. I like them all, and uh, that's how I wound up in where I'm at now. I, I enjoy them. But what about the flavor? Well, like, what about the... There are flavors that go with bitterance that make things unpleasant, right? So, like, some people don't like dusty, like the that dusty note that you'll get in, like, Sue's or something like this, mm -hmm. right? Which a bunch of different agents can produce Compounds that. Compounds make that, yeah. Make that dusty kind of note. But does this stuff... Like, can it be made into a pleasant bitters? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say so. Yeah, of course. It's, uh, it's, it's a little, it's kind of earthy. Um, you know, it's, 
it's kind of hard to describe what a, what the what that taste is. Um, what? So tell me the name of it again. Ashwagandha. Ashwagandha. And also you... known as uh, Indian ginseng, poison gooseberry. Um, no, with a name like it, poison it gooseberry. Makes a, <laughs> it makes a Just fruit that up. looks like a gooseberry. It's got like a husk around it, and that's what you would use to make that wild cheese. Is it related to Ashwagandha? Do you, is it related to a real gooseberry, like a Nutruva, or a, I mean, is it in fact a gooseberry? Um, it is a nightshade. Yeah, they're all so, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, yeah, do you happen to know of family. Do you happen to know of any commercially made uh, tincture or potable bitters that involve it? Um, yeah, they sell them. They sell a lot of commercial ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is like one of the top selling supplements in the United States. It's used by bodybuilders, weightlifters. It's used by all sorts of different people. It's really, it's, it's honestly, it's great for you. Lowers your stress levels. Um, it's like a elixir of long life in India. But we over here, we've started using it for, uh, like, you know, supplement geeks have all sorts of YouTube videos about it. Go on YouTube and you'll find a bunch of people explaining like all of the, the, uh, the minutia. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out. Do you have a uh, Do you have a short life elixir? That's what Nastasia wants to feed me. Short <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Um, wait. So, caller, well, I got I got another one for you. Speaking of short life elixirs, elixirs. Since you are interested in this sort of thing, and I have not tasted it in Southern, maybe you have. Have you tried the uh, rhododendron honey, the toxic rhododendron honey? No. No. You, but you guys have heard of it, the mad honey. It's from like no. Turkey, and then up in the mountain areas, they have a couple of species. Well, you know, rhododendrons are poisonous, yeah. right? So there's a couple species of rhododendron where the uh, nectar contains a neurotoxin that, wait for it, in small amounts <laughs> people find pleasant, but in large amounts are problematic. And it makes this, I think, colored honey. I, th I think the honey has a color to it, but it's called like mad. They, when they try to sell it to you, it's called mad honey, but there's an actual Turkish word for it. And I think it crosses over to the other side of the mountains as well. But it's like that kind of mountainous area of Turkey where it comes from. It's, I mean, it's expensive, but it's not like that expensive because you, you're only eating like a well, unless you're unless you're dumb, you're only eating a small amount of it. And it's like I think it's like hundred dollars the pound. But here's the thing, I don't think, and this is a good point with herbs too. Maybe you want to talk about it, caller. I think it's unethical to put something that you think has some sort of bioactivity into a drink if there's even a possibility that someone might have a negative reaction to it. Because, like, like you're serving someone alcohol, right? Right, already a poison. Right, but right. it's assumed that they know how to deal with alcohol because they showed up at a bar and ordered alcohol. If you're selling them, like, you know, something that can, you know, affect their kidney function or you don't know what's going on with their body and you don't know how they're going to react to it. You know what I mean? Some of these herbs actually have real effects on people. Sure, this is why I'm staunchly... Well, all I, I think these herbs in, have real effects on people. Uh, that's course. why we tinctured them in the first place. Yeah, right. Of course. But the, the, that's why, uh, as you know, we work together at the bar too, Dave. Um, that's why I'm staunchly against things like uh, tobacco bitters. I'm really staunchly against uh, the the green dragon that everybody makes with the with the, you know the, the the pot bitters. Well, I'm not going to say who I, who we share in common that makes that and came up with that, but his argument is oh, that I'm okay it actually you if if I know the person and it's oh, yeah, me, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm not going to put it on my drink menu and just put it in people's drinks without, well, especially because you don't live in Colorado. Well, that too. Yeah. Uh, oh, you about cannabis? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't sure what. Yeah, that but they, that, yeah, the green, marijuana. The green, <laughs> yeah. the green dragon. Yeah, is a, is a cannabis tincture. But um, 
I mean, I think that that's you know the, like the great even, thing about the legalization. Even activated charcoal can fuck very... with people. Like I don't put anything in my drinks that can fuck with them any harder than hey, hey, alcohol. Family show. Oh, sorry. They can, my show's not. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, I don't put anything in my drinks that can screw with people any more than the alcohol that's in the drink screws with them because that's what they're expecting when they come in. You know. Right, but I think a lot of people who are getting into making bitters don't think necessarily about. I mean, like, for instance, like, uh, conchona bark obviously can cause yep. lots of problems if you overdo it. It's thankfully hard to overdo and still make a palatable drink. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so for that one, it's relatively self-limiting. But also it, it collects, so you can make a palatable drink at the, at the far end of that palatability and then have two or three of them, and then you still get the same effect. Is that true? Yeah, it piles up. Sweet. Like I don't bitter. know, I don't know what the biological half life. Have you ever noticed that some bitterants actually do have not just in your body, but have a uh, a palate like reinforcing effect such that it gets progressively more bitter? Oh yeah, the uh, Elisera novasalis certainly does that. Yeah. Sip one is bitter. Sip two is more, and this is uncommon, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, typically, you get a you know you, it sort of dissipates. You you get palate yeah, fatigue yeah, yeah. Right. or whatever. Did you say it was oxalis? <clears throat> Elisere novasalis is a potable bitter. Uh, that uh, the sweetener in that one is uh, the sap from one of the trees where they get the bark to make the thing bitter in the first place. And sap is not sweet; it's sticky, but it's not sweet. Um, but this this bitter, as you drink it, becomes more and more bitter, which is uh, which interesting. Is pretty uncommon. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I had another bitter question. What was it? Let's eh, uh, take a break first. Well, wait, 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 wait. We have a bitters expert on the on a, a tincture expert. Oh, here's one for you. Here's something I've never been able to figure out. I want anyone in the uh, on the uh, internets uh, who can hear this to help me figure it out. It's it's a we know for a fact that um, Aperol and Campari, if stored in a bottled drink, at least a, a carbonated bottled drink with acid, will uh, get more bitter. Over the course of like 24, 48 hours, it will get progressively more bitter to the point where it's unpalatable. When it's diluted? Uh, yeah, it's diluted. and But we've st- you can store it diluted. But as soon as you add acid, you know, like, uh, you know, the equivalent of uh, the same acid that you would have in um, like a gin and tonic or any one of our carbonated drinks. Uh, and I've never tested it with lime. We, uh, we use a mixer, mixture of uh, mali- uh, sorry, uh, lactic and tartaric acid uh, with Campari and uh, it just get, and Aperol, and it just gets intensely bitter. So we had to, even though those acids don't spoil, we still had to add the acid on pour at service time because otherwise it would go unpalatably, unpalatably, uh, unpalatably bitter. In 24 hours. Yep. And well, it was it was one of those things where uh, you know how I am. Yeah. Like I was getting like vi- like violently angry. I would go in, I would make the drink, I'd be like, "Boom, I love it. I'm out." And then I would bottle it and then I would call in the next day. I'd be like, "Did you did you try it?" And they're like, "Oh, it's too bitter." It's no And I was like, "What?" And then finally I went back mm. and tasted yesterday's batch because as everyone knows, you know, we do at the bar life tests, right? To see how long a product lasts. You know, especially if you're going to pre-batch because you don't want to throw away with liquor. And yeah, it just got more and more bitter. None of us can figure out why. It's weird. You have, have you had any other uh, bitter tinctures that if you store them differently, like they get, if you suddenly compound two things together, they, they go crazy on you? That's really interesting. I, I, haven't, I haven't ever had to deal with that before, but I would like to kind of get into it. You said it's Aperol and... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, start with Campari. I mean, I would start with Campari because I know it happens more kind of aggressively there. So just make like a make like a like a Campari soda, right? Add acid to it so it's like acidic, right? As though you had squeezed lime in. But again, I use mal uh, sorry tartaric and lactic acid, uh, and then store it. Taste taste it. Be like, yes, this tastes good, and then uh, store it. Uh, for 24 hours, go back and taste it, and you can even make a fresh one side by side, and the the, the bitterness difference is like, uh, is apparent. Hmm. So um, you're just adding you're just adding just like soda water or carbonated water to Campari, and then adding some sort of acid. That's, that's the three. Yeah, I mean because it's okay. me because it's me, I also recarbonate the whole thing because you know that's, sure that's sure, what sure, I do. Of course. Yeah. Um, well, that's not a question I can answer, but I can ask my mother. You will probably know. All right. Well, uh, tweet it on back. Tweet the answer on back to Cooking Issues if you can find it. Oh, last question. I tweeted you a couple <sighs> weeks ago. Um, who is the chef who moved to California? You guys had this. You, you were talking about this chef. I don't remember what episode it was on. It could have been six years ago. Uh, I just moved to California. I'm in Venice right now. Um, you were talking about on one of your episodes, one of the hundreds, um, there was a chef who had like this lost manuscript. That was about fish. Um, he has one that's available on public domain. He was like an early, like 19th century chef who moved to California. Told all the growers he wanted to grow this and that and the other thing. And he has like a lot of. He made a lot of impact on the California food system. Um, who is that guy? Wait, but he's he's a New Yorker who moved to California I, re- like I recently think he was in the past a New five Yorker. years. Ooh. Man, see Dave. We'll get one of the interns Dave, to look into that. Dave in the booth. This <laughs> is why it would be nice to be able to search what we've had. Because I can't remember. Oh. Souther would also like Searchable to be able to search. Would be great. Yes. Search would be, uh, I don't remember. Although Nick it Long. It must have been an old episode. Yeah. It must have been. Like, because when I was driving out here, I just had you guys on. Like, all right, let's do this one. All right, let's do this one. All right. And then I heard that on my way out here, and I wanted to talk to a chef that I'm working for here about that, and I cannot find the episode. I mean, I know people that have, like, ancient Thai manuscripts. I know people, like, Weepop had a bunch of old Thai manuscripts, and so we know someone else who had a bunch of Thai, but fish. So he had a book about, he had a book that he wrote that was, like, his, like, kind of like his guide to vegetables at the time. It was, like, the, the on food and cooking of his time about, like, every single kind of vegetable that they had available in America to, to, oh. to cook with. Oh. descriptions of everything. Oh, if you want, well, this has nothing to do with a chef, but if you want like all the vegetables that were available in the New York City markets uh, right after the Civil War, you're going to want to go on Google Books and look up one of my favorite books, The Market Assistant, mm. and the picture of the guy at the front of The Market Assistant looks like Bill the Butcher Pool from um, Gangs of New York. Sorry. In other words, like Daniel Day-Lewis. and Your spirit uh, animal. Yeah, yeah, my spirit animal, Daniel Day-Lewis, whose who's toughest role is just as a loving father from New Jersey. Uh, but the, uh, he's like, how do I play this? I just want my kids back. Yeah, well, not even. I just got to pick up my kids from school. Like, how do you get, like, how do you get all bent for that? Anyway, but, like, <laughs> that's, like, everyone's life. Anyway, point being, uh, market assistant is everything that's available, and you can see the crazy diversity of ingredients that uh, we had in um, the 1800s. I mean, just bananas. You know what I mean? So instead of yeah. 18 varieties of Oreo, you had 18 varieties of small bird you could buy. No bananas, though, because they hadn't been invented yet. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, do you have information on the banana, Dave? Are you a, are you a, uh, a historian of, the, uh, of United Fruit and uh, what we did to all of the countries south of us in order so that we could get cheap bananas? Can't say I am, Consistently. no. Consistently. Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's, we it's take a horror show. We'll, right, we'll, take, we'll, we'll take a break and we can talk about the horror shows of America and how, you know, the horrible things we've done to other people for fruit. And the banana hostino. Yeah, that's a good one. Coming back with Cooking Issues. This episode of Cooking Issues is brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, an employee-owned company that has been offering organic stone ground products for decades. Dave, we have a question from a listener about another Bob's Red Mill product this week. Kathy writes, I heard you talk about the science behind nutritional yeast, but what makes it taste like Parmesan while baker's and brewer's yeast taste like, well, yeast? Kathy, I have to say, I haven't done too much research on this. Uh, the main difference that I know of between nutritional yeast and regular baking yeast is twofold. One, they can choose a specific strain of yeast when they're making uh, nutritional yeast and doesn't have to make anything rise, so they can choose it just based on flavor. That's one. The second is is that the main difference between nutritional yeast and regular yeast is that nutritional yeast has been heated so that it's no longer active. And I'm sure that the heating, especially, you know, I'm not sure what temperature they take it up to, but if they toast it at all, that toasting can bring out a lot of those kind of nutty, cheesy, more, more Parmesan notes, and you're not going to get any kind of active fermentation notes out of a nutritional yeast because because it's dead. If you have more questions about Bob's Red Mill products, tweet it to us at heritage underscore radio. Get your hands on nutritional yeast. Go to bobsredmill.com and use the code COOKINGISSUES. That's one word, all caps, COOKINGISSUES for 25% off your order. And we're back. All right, I'm going to do some questions. We got time for one because there's a show at one. So (laughs) time to wrap it up. Time to wrap it up. All right. Devin from Seattle, Washington writes in. We're going to go speed. Southern, you're going to have some stuff to say about this. Cookie Issues crew. Uh, For years, I've been wanting to create a juice production and distribution business directed towards bars slash restaurants slash hotels in my city. And recently, the time has presented itself to move forward on this idea. That is until yesterday when the Department of Agriculture and FDA told me that raw juice, the same juice that we make and use in bars every day, can only be sold direct to customer and wholesale juice must be pasteurized. So here's my question. Instead of giving up, because I hate pasteurized juice, or taking the FDA's Johnson to the face and spending a gazillion dollars on a high-pressure pot. Wait, what? I, I'm reading. <laughs> uh, back that up. Could I, I can't. I don't have time. Could I run my juice through a vac master and serve the juice within the same day of pressing with similar results as non-pasteurized fresh juice? Specifically, would the vac master kill enough bacteria to pass lab tests performed by the FDA to be considered pasteurized enough? Answer, no. Vac master will not kill any bacteria. It's just simply vacuum packing it. Other bacteria won't grow. But here's the the actual truth is you can sell juice to uh, people. uh, What you have to do, non-pasteurized, but for citrus only, you have to to purchase verified tree-picked no-groundfall fruit. That's the first part of the rule. Mm. Secondly, you have to uh, san- put in a sanitizer solution that has a proven uh, log five reduction in bacteria for the external portion of the citrus fruit. Rinse it off. You can then sell that citrus fruit to a commercial place with the label saying this juice has not been pasteurized and yada, yada, yada. You can't do that for uh, any other juice other than citrus, you can use non-heat pasteurization techniques such as ozone or UV light, but that is a huge pain in the butt, and you still need to prove that you have a a five-log reduction in pathogens. Here's another way around it. You can sell it retail, and then even if somebody buys 80,000 jugs of it, how do you know where they're using it? That's the way Manhattan Fruit Exchange does it here in New there York City. That's kind of what I was going to say. They sell jug after jug after jug of fruit, and they don't ask you whether you have a really big family or a restaurant. 
Uh, so that's one way to do it. And then, uh, of course, it's on the other people. They're doing something illegal, but at least you're not doing something illegal. All right, great way to end. I will, I will say also that you know the guys over at Cocktail Kingdom, they tried to put together a similar business, and uh, they shut it down because of the expense it was going to cost to go through the pasteurization process. Yeah, for that reason. They for were doing it for reason. about a year. They were, you, could, you could call up Cocktail Kingdom and, as, a, as a bar, restaurant, hotel and buy fresh juice that would be delivered within 24 hours. It was amazing. And uh, yeah, they got they got shut down. All right, so All I didn't right. I didn't get to the rest of my dang questions. Nope, nope. gotta go. Not even a thirty second question. Huh? Cooking issues. Uh, <laughs> my book drops on uh, August twenty eighth. What's I'm, it called, Southern? I'm just here for the drinks. Alrighty, buy it. You didn't say it. Cooking issues. There it is. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. ¶¶